0: Hello, my name is Alexa and welcome to an episode of the Meritorious Person Podcast. In this episode, I will be talking about Max Tyler, an individual who has saved many lives by creating a vaccine that offers protection against the yellow fever virus. Now you have probably already heard about the yellow fever virus, but if you haven't, then I'll quickly give you some background information so that you can understand why the creation of this vaccine was so important. Basically, the yellow fever virus is transmitted through mosquito bites. It is thought that the virus originated from Africa, although now it can be commonly found throughout Central and South America. The virus can also be found outside of those areas, although infections may not be as common. For example, it is believed that yellow fever reached the United States during the 1600 slave trade, Stagnant water found on ships gave mosquitoes infected with the virus the right conditions to successfully reproduce and lay eggs. Now, what does the virus actually do to those who are infected? Well, once infected, a large majority of people may experience no symptoms, while the other few experience symptoms three to six days after they were first exposed to the virus. People may also experience different stages of infection from the virus. In the first stages, individuals may experience fever, headaches, muscle pain, fatigue, nausea, and vomiting. After a couple days, the symptoms will go away. This is known as the remission stage of the infection. However, being in remission does not mean that the patients are safe from possible complications. After remission, there is a chance that the individuals will enter the intoxication phase of the infection. These people usually experience hemorrhaging from the mouth, nose, and stomach, kidney and liver failure, jaundice as a result of the liver failure, and a coma as a result of these symptoms. Some may also experience delirium as a result of the infection. Usually, about half of those individuals who enter this stage will die within 7 to 10 days. Very few people will actually enter this stage. It is also important to note that even till this day, there is no cure for the disease. Once you get it, you will be prescribed medication to help you manage any possible symptoms you will experience until you become healthy. This is why it is important to prevent getting the disease in the first place. However, for people living before 1930, it was a near impossible task. Earlier, I mentioned that the Yellow Fever disease was brought over to the United States during the slave trade in the 1600s. However, infections in the United States were still not very common. This would all change about a century later. In 1793, the United States saw the worst Yellow Fever epidemic in the city of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. Known as the American Plague, The disease was brought over by a group of people trying to escape another yellow fever epidemic in the Caribbean, most likely in the month of September. By October 11th, it is estimated that 100 people were dying from the disease each day. The local government at the time attempted to treat the infection, but eventually the government failed due to the strain it was facing. Doctors in the city were attempting to research the disease, however, they were not very successful. Meanwhile, wealthy people living in Philadelphia at the time simply evacuated the city in an attempt to avoid the epidemic. This also included federal authorities since Philadelphia was considered to be the first capital of the United States. Eventually, most of the mosquitoes who were carrying the disease died due to a cold front that rolled in, and the number of infections decreased. By October 26, only 20 people died a day from the infection. In a city of 50,000 people, 5,000 were confirmed to have died from the disease. Of course, all of this happened before the creation of the vaccine. Not much was known about how to stop epidemics from happening. Doctors at the time didn't even have an understanding of what spread the virus in the first place, or the fact that the disease was even caused by a virus. However, Max Tyler would soon change that. Not many people actually know about Max Tyler and his contributions to the creation of the yellow fever vaccine despite saving millions of lives throughout the decades. Max Tyler was born on January 30th, 1899, in Pretoria, South Africa. He was the youngest of four children. His father was Sir Arnold Tyler a veterinary scientist, and his mother was Emma Tyler. Both of his parents originated from Switzerland. Max's father wanted him to pursue a career in the medical field, and in order to please his father, Max attended the University of Cape Town in Africa during 1916 despite having little interest in the subject. He attended this school for two years before traveling to England in 1919 where he enrolled in St. Thomas Hospital Medical School, and then at the London School of Tropical Medicine. In 1922, Max obtained his medical degree and became a licentiate of the Royal College of Physicians. He also became a member of the Royal College of Surgeons. Later that same year, he joined the Department of Tropical Medicine at the Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts as an assistant. After being an assistant, he became an appointed instructor at the school. While at Harvard, Max Tyler worked with amoebic dysentery, a disease spread by drinking contaminated food water. He also worked with rat bite fever, a disease spread by rodents carrying the bacteria. It wasn't until 1930 when Max Tyler truly focused on yellow fever. He was interested in yellow fever ever since he attended school in London, but had never focused on it until this point. Now before I get into Max Tyler's progress on the vaccine, I'm going to discuss what discoveries were made already by people previously working on the virus. In 1881, Carlos Finlay discovered that yellow fever was transmitted by mosquitoes carrying the virus. While correct, His theory was not taken seriously by other scientists at the time and was dismissed. In 1897, Italian bacteriologist Giuseppe Sanarelli believed that he had discovered the true cause of the disease. He believed that yellow fever was caused by a bacteria. His theory was supported by other scientists and for a while it was believed that yellow fever was caused by a bacterial infection. This theory was wrong, however. It wasn't until 1900 that US Army researcher Walter Reed helped prove Carlos Finlay's theory about mosquitoes transmitting the disease after many soldiers fell ill to yellow fever. Walter Reed and other researchers met up with Carlos Finlay in order to test the theory. They did this by allowing mosquitoes to feed on people already infected with yellow fever, These mosquitoes would then be released on healthy volunteers. Nothing happened during the first two weeks of feeding. A couple days later, the mosquitoes were allowed to feed on volunteers once more. The volunteers then became ill, which proved Finlay's theory. However, one of the researchers also fell ill after being bitten by an infected mosquito, and unfortunately passed away from complications caused by the disease. After this discovery, the U.S. attempted to control mosquito populations which helped reduce infections. The last yellow fever epidemic in the U.S. was in 1905 in New Orleans, Louisiana, which ended after a large effort to reduce mosquito populations. These were one of the first steps the United States took in an attempt to eradicate the disease. Now back to Dr. Tyler. In 1927, he and other researchers working alongside him found, discovered that the disease was caused by an actual virus. In 1930, Dr. Tyler joined the Rockefeller Foundation, a research center mainly focused on studying yellow fever. One of Dr. Tyler's biggest discoveries was that the yellow fever virus could be easily given to mice. Before mice, monkeys were used as testing subjects. However, by using mice, costs of research plummeted and it became easier to study the actual virus. This was mostly due to the fact that mice are much easier to obtain and handle. In addition to this, Dr. Tyler also discovered that he was able to obtain a weakened strain of the yellow fever virus from the mice. This led to the creation of two vaccines. The first vaccine was used in Western French colonies in Africa in the 1930s until the 1940s. Later, a second vaccine was created in 1938, known as the 17D vaccine. This vaccine was actually grown in chicken embryos, which allowed the vaccine to be easily produced in large quantities. This vaccine was also the most effective. In fact, the vaccine used today is manufactured in almost the same way used in 1938. The creation of this vaccine helped Dr. Tyler become a successful researcher who helped save millions of lives and counting. While Dr. Tyler was given other honors and awards, his most notable award is his Nobel Prize. In 1951, Dr. Tyler was awarded the Nobel Prize for his efforts after being nominated for the award several times before. For those curious, the Nobel Prize award also came with $35,000, which is about $364,000 today. Dr. Tyler didn't stop working there, of course. He went on to help with research for Wheels disease, a bacterial disease spread by animal urine. Dengue fever, another virus spread by mosquitoes, and Japanese encephalitis, also a virus spread by mosquitoes that actually causes brain swelling in some patients. Now, believe it or not, not much is known about Dr. Tyler's personal life outside of work. We do know that he married Lillian Graham in 1928 and had a singular daughter with her. Dr. Tyler eventually did retire from the Rockefeller Foundation in 1964, but continued to teach epidemiology and microbiology courses at Yale University for four years after. Unfortunately, Dr. Tyler did pass away from lung cancer complications at the age of 73 on August 11, 1972. Many of his colleagues actually described him as someone who never took credit for his work. In one of his speeches, he thanked everyone for helping him with his research and acknowledged the people who volunteered themselves in order to increase the knowledge of the yellow fever virus. Despite having already passed away, his work is still used today. This shows how important Dr. Tyler's research was, yet he is still mostly unknown outside of the medical and science fields. However, I hope that you, the listener, have learned something about Dr. Tyler today. Thank you for listening in on this podcast. Have a great day.